0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Slaughter and Sons Undertakers. Suitable whether you've been fried by dragon breath, nibbled by piranhas, immersed in acid, or pincushioned by goblin arrows. Special
1: deals are available for mummification, viking funerals, burial at sea, and other assorted death rituals. This week only, Slaughter and Sons also has a buy one get one free offer... In the event that you have an elderly or just slightly annoying relative who you'd like to, you know, just dispose of.
0: Just quote the promotional code. Slaughter my relatives. When making your booking, give your loved ones the send-off they deserve at Slaughter and Sons.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Morris, a.k.a. Russ, or Russ, a.k.a. Morris. And with me, as usual, is my co-host, best known as the inventor of Oxygen.
2: Uh, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Uh Some say it was LaVarcia that discovered Oxygen back in 1718, but they're just wrong. It was actually me. Uh, I travelled back in time in order to show him. Mm. It's just one of those things. So, I Peter,
1: I uh, see you brought with you a pair of guests this week.
2: I know, they followed me. Can I keep them? <laughs>
1: Uh, we some funny expressions now i
2: i I do do funny expressions it's it's just my face it's how it works uh but we have a so excitingly grant and christopher taylor who have done such exciting games as honey heist adventure skeletons and a little game called the spire Mm. which we may talk about in some depth later okay
3: then um hi guys hello hello how are you? We followed that man in here. He laid, <laughs> he laid a, a trail of shiny dice, and we were unable to, <laughs> were unable to, to, to not gobble them up. That's that's how he lured me in, too. It's quite
1: disturbing. Mm. We, are, we are lost
2: and very far from home. I, I normally use chocolate biscuits, but, you know, budget cuts.
3: Well, yeah, fair. I mean, you, thank you for getting half-decent dice. Anyway. Um, yeah, so we write games, and uh, we record yes. podcasts. We do, Chris. What do we do?
0: Mainly just that. I mean, that's literally yeah. all we do all day.
3: Yeah, okay. Just, just <laughs> the is, is, is there like and... a pre-C we can it's offer to people? It's, it's to not who life. It's all right. Nah, it's but pretty it's, solid, it's, honestly. It's the best available. Yeah, I should say.
2: So you could describe yourselves as role-playing game industry professionals for given values of
1: professionals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I mean, yes.
3: we I, I, I like. I like to. I like to say we're rising stars because <laughs> <laughs> that gives us, gives us a lot of room to maneuver That's, that sounds good
1: Absolutely. that sounds
2: good let's go with that shall we yeah let's, let's stay Abiguity. with that ambiguity it's strong choice strong choice
1: all right then mm. let's get on with the show so uh peter yeah. what's uh, caught your eye in the world of rpgs this week
2: well something i saw that was very exciting was a big old vertical battle map and what it's got is somebody had some guys that were being chased by a major demon mm. and they're like we can't fight this, run away, run away. And so they bravely run away. But to do this, they have to make their way down a series of ledges and throw down ropes. And and to do this, they've actually got a big sheet of paper with polystyrene blocks attached to it. And then the little Lego minifigs and bits of string representing the ropes So what they're doing. So 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 it's 3D? Yeah, yeah, it's 3D. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like... Up against a wall. I think they might have been using Simba, the Cup and Lion King, a uh, sloth plushie to represent the Demon Lord, but yeah, I think that just has the sort of similitude, really. Fair enough.
3: I, I don't think people should really put that sort of stuff about because I don't prep for my adventures. I'm lucky if I come up with NPCs <laughs> on the bus on the way in. And these people building whole mazes out of polystyrene and then basically building a Blue Peter Spelunky.
1: Just makes the rest of us look bad, doesn't it? It, makes it us does. look Terrible. I <laughs> know, right?
3: People are going to see it and they're going to be like, "Oh, where's our 3D map?" Shut up. As an innkeeper, he's got a quest for you.
1: <laughs> so, so did you guys You're spot anything? in a call, Did oh, you though. guys uh-huh. spot anything in RPGs this week? You'd like to sort of like bring to our attention?
3: Yes, we did. In fact, we both saw this this morning. Okay. Uh, which is uh, which? I like think I think Chris might be might be picking the same thing. It's a game called Never Going Home. And it's a World War occult role playing game, wow. which is quite neat. So mm-hmm. it's all done. Uh, it's, it's got this really nice manky looking art where people are mm-hmm. using the occult to try and win wars, or more, more like, accurately, really survive in World War One. Uh, there's lots of gas masks mm-hmm. and antlers and mud, and it comes with these absolutely gorgeous uh, playing cards, which look like mm. like 19, 1910 era playing cards, uh, but they're used to power the game. And uh, what was it, Chris? Like they they form relationships, and you have to spend those to yeah. Power so the, the Power playing stuff. cards
0: that you hold in your hand are like your memories of humanity, of what it was like not in the war, not against okay. these weird monsters and stuff. And you have to use them to boost your roles um, to, to succeed in really difficult situations. But also it's your XP system, so you have to give up your old life to get more powerful. And it's a really oh, nice little mechanic wow. that really sort of drives home that nastiness of being in the trenches, plus great old ones. right wow.
2: yeah, so it's got sort of alienation... Has a experience gaining mechanic. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. You alienate yourself from who you were. The more powerful you become in the game, but the less you are yourself. Yeah, the
4: name of it, it, it. Never going home.
2: Yeah, it's not. Mm. It's mm. not very encouraging. <laughs> no, it's not the most hopeful <laughs> of names. <laughs> I, 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 I will say that is actually. I, I was thinking when they were saying that, it was. It sounded like a World War One game to mm. me. Mm. Uh,
1: well, yeah, but yeah, maybe that's back on this. the money there. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, do you want to do you want to hear what caught my eye this week? Oh, God, then, if you must. Well, right, you know what today is? <laughs> uh,
3: remember, remember. Is
1: the 5th of November. 5th right. Have a good
3: November, <laughs> as the poem goes. That's how it goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so it's, uh, it's Guy Fawkes Night, well, was, as as of today yeah. when we're recording this, anyway. Um, so I yeah. thought I would round up three games that I thought might be um, fun to sort of run sort of uh, intrigue and skullduggery-type medieval plots in. Okay. Uh, so the three systems, that so I I, I glanced around. Um, these are obviously not the only three systems that can do this, but they're the three that sprung to my okay. mind. So uh, the first one was um, Blue Roses, uh, Green Ronin's Blue Rose, um, which is mm-hmm. kind of, they call it a game with romantic fantasy, but it kind of focuses on types of relationships, which like include political relationships, mm. social relationships, and stuff like that. And I thought it could be fun to try and run a sort of intrigue, political sort of Guy Fawkes-style game using that system.
3: If I remember correctly, rulership of the main nation in Blue Rose was determined by a deer.
1: <laughs> well, the current version uses their adventure game engine. Engine, ending, engine. I can't even yes. this It's is just, a, I've got a cold. It makes me unable to talk. It's my excuse this week. I can't talk any week, but my excuse this week. Last week I had a hangover. This week I've got a cold.
2: It's all exclusive a few parts. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so the next one is one that I've never actually played, yeah. but it's uh, Robin D. Laws' Hillfolk. I don't know if I, any of you guys have played that one. I haven't,
0: um, haven't played it, but read it at length.
1: But it's powered by, it's powered by the drama system, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, sort of focuses very heavily on the sort of role-playing aspects of things. So I thought that could make a sort of really, really good intrigue, espionage-type game. And then finally, of course, is the gumshoe system, uh, which is pretty nice. much designed around uh, investigations and sort of heavy plots and things like that, spies and thrillers. Yeah. So if you did have some kind of gunpowder plot in your campaign, I reckon something like the uh, the gumshoe system would be perfect to sort of uh, track down Guy Fawkes and, and then burn him <laughs> on a <the> last bonfire. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, that's what caught my eye this week. Bonfire night somehow caught my eye this week. Well, it's loud enough. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it was pretty loud last night. Shall we do the news? Oh, I suppose we could
2: do the news. This is a news podcast. We don't have
1: to do the news, but I thought it might be an idea. Seems traditional.
2: Conformist. Okay. <laughs> I well, mean, well, well, news.
3: I suppose it's traditional. Chris, yeah. have you seen any news? Because I haven't. I haven't really seen any news for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Worried about this section? You, you try and stay well, well out
0: what, of the, the news. The good
1: part
3: is, I'll be telling you the news, oh, and, thank then, and then and then hey. you
1: can offer sort of uh, educated comments on that news. Yeah. Or if they're we not be. educated comments, you could just sort of just say what you like. I'm sure we can tell you what we reckon. Yeah, exactly. We well, can reckon it's pretty hard. Reckon. Or we'll just make stuff. Exactly. Up. Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Do we all know what that is? No. <gasps> no. So that is <laughs> oh. uh, Wizards of the Coast' upcoming D D offering. Comes out oh, next I week, we I believe. Great big mega dungeon um, set uh, beneath uh, what is it? Waterdeep, Waterdeep. Yes, of course. I knew that. Yes. Um, it's exciting. <laughs> so we managed to get hold for, for many reasons of a list of all of the dungeon levels in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So there's uh, 23 of them. So That's I won't. So I won't sit here and read them all out because you'd probably, you know, fall over from boredom. Your eyes would glaze over and you start drooling or something. But um, obviously, Undermountain's been around for years and years and years in the Forgotten realm setting. Uh, this is the latest interpretation of it. So you can go online and you can see older versions of it with similar but slightly different um, dungeon level lists. Um, so this is the latest <laughs> one and it has sort of levels like uh, the Arcane Chambers, uh, Mad Goth's Castle. Uh, the Troglodyte Warrens, uh, Caverns of Ooze, Shadow Dust Hold. But um, we'll stick a link mm. in the show notes to that and you can pop online and have a look and see the whole list of all 23 levels there.
3: I can't wait to go to Caverns of Ooze. That sounds like bet there's, bet there's yes, loads there's of good NPCs there. Excellent holiday destination, that
2: one. <laughs> yeah, uh, they've got some like fairly decent ideas going on. There's like We've already seen a uh, what's it? Almost a spelljammer-esque pirate ship that's crashed somehow into a dungeon underground. Probably because it's been sucked that, in that, for that a portal. That is the caverns
1: of ooze level, actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's got that. Oh, well, got there you
0: go. Then you get spaceships and ooze. That's
1: it's gone off my estimations. Uh, oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's, that it's got, got that mind flare spelljammer captain. Although what one improvement on a caverns oh, no. of ooze, you might enjoy slither swamp. That sounds lovely.
0: That just sounds Not... awkward. Mm.
2: The, the, well, I mean, maybe, maybe it's got a very low ceiling, so you just have to slive your mm. way through
0: it. I just think that dungeon's got about 22 too many levels.
2: Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I mean, the Man's Mage is notable because it's the first time with certain content officially
0: above 15, which is... Oh, really? It's actually a, like a, an epic level sort of yeah, thing? Yeah,
2: It goes from 6 to 20. It follows on from Waterdeep Dragon Heist, yeah, which right. is quite, quite a pretty book, and... Has a lot of replayability in it, depending upon it's themed on the seasons. So yeah, mm. I just it think it's goes... been
0: fifteen years since I've done a dungeon crawl.
1: <laughs> mm. oh, I like the occasional well, dungeon crawl. I mean, you, I couldn't do it all the yeah. time, but you know, once in a while, a dungeon crawl can be yeah. really good fun.
2: A uh, bit of underground Vietnam, always good for yeah. us
1: something like that. I don't know what that even means, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, yeah, You're in a really enthusiastic everything's manner. Everything's trying to I, kill you. I worry
3: <laughs> at the idea of having, to, of having the next 14 levels sort of sketched out for you. I suppose I, I, when I go into campaigns, I learned to GM from Chris um, many mm. moons ago. Mm. And mm. Uh, when I go into campaigns, it doesn't really bear to think of an ending or what's happening past the next half hour. And so, and with players, like, the players I have also know that, and we we go into very interesting directions, and I think there's there's something sort of, like, it feels chafing to have the next 14 levels just down.
1: Yeah, I mean, I it's, really it's, like oh.
3: the idea of a crashed underground pirate ship full of ooze, and there's a Cthulhu pirate, and he's maybe got, like, yeah, a little yeah. octopus instead of a parrot. That's cool. But yeah. just for that,
1: just give me that. Don't let me go through the yeah. other levels. You know, it's different strokes different but, parts. But you don't, though, you don't I mean. have to. A lot of these games get live streams, so they, ten- they tend to be mm. sort of played through a very sort of structured um, process mm. anyway. Mm.
0: Mm. I can see that actually being rather interesting if you, like, watched two different live streams of the same dungeon, yeah. seeing how different yeah, people totally interact different. with yeah, yeah. with the setup.
1: Yeah.
2: And, of course, you've got the eSports that's coming. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. they, uh, oh, t- oh, esports. God, yeah. Oh, I was just about to jump yeah. into
1: that one as the next news item, actually, because uh, oh. obviously we reported on this a couple of weeks ago. But I managed Mm -hmm. to get hold of them and have a quick quick word with them and ask them a few more questions about it. Mm. Intriguing. Um, So, as a reminder, this uh, this RPG sports thing is a new venture by guys who run D and D Beyond and uh, Mm. a streaming um, outfit called uh, Encounter Roleplay. And uh, what they're doing is competitive D and D with a five thousand dollar prize. Five.
2: $5,000 $5,000 Five, $5 thousand dollar Uh
1: so So um, I, uh, I, I naturally was curious as to how this would work. So uh, yeah. I, I didn't mention it.
2: playing it for free like a sucker. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so uh, yes. yeah, I've got this little interview up on my site, which we'll put a link to in the show notes. But I'll, I'll really quickly whip through it and do it in as short form as possible. Um, so first of all, I asked them, um, uh, was it a team event or was it geared individuals? And they told me it's a team event. There's uh, 16 players with four on each team. Um, most of these players apparently um, aren't really uh, role players or D and D fans. They're uh, they're from competitive esports backgrounds, which is interesting. Um, what? <laughs> but apparently okay. they've been reading up on how to how to do this sort of thing. <laughs> I guess
3: they're optimizing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a it's a team event. Four teams of four players. It's a team deathmatch style game of four versus four.
0: Right. Oh, my
1: God. Um, uh, They say they've heard requests for things like dungeon runs, like racing through the Tomb of Horrors so you can get through the fastest, and those sort of formats are maybe on their their radar for later. But right now, that's what it is. It's a team deathmatch four versus four.
3: I really like the idea that... that there's a contest to play Dungeons and & Dragons and the award is given to the team that plays the least Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> <laughs> to get through it as fast as they can. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that—that that was so, that's actually... It, D&D's actually got a history of that, though. A tournament play mm, back in the 70s and the 80s and stuff like that at conventions is very much sort of you know geared around that sort of style of play.
3: It feels astonishingly yeah, American.
1: Oh, well, D&D's an American I game, is I
3: it? cannot wrap my head around how American this is. <laughs> but they, they have to be using
2: pre-generated characters. Yes, yeah, they are. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all pre-generated characters that they're picking their teams from. And um, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, I myself would not have gone with Deathmatch as the first thing. Nice. No. It's, it's like, interesting, isn't it? Did you
1: win this? Are initiative? we all the pre- mm. pre-generated characters, for they? So they've they're got gone. 15 of them, which is interesting, because there's 16 players. Mm. So I'm not sure how that works. But um, there's 15 pre-generated <laughs>
3: characters. One of them plays the game for real.
1: Well, we've just <laughs> have never been very good at numbers, have they? Um... <laughs> Yeah, and they say that these uh, pre-generated characters have been chosen to uh, not overwhelm the sort of newer gamers, and also for balance reasons to ah. ensure all the all the, all the competitors when, are kind of equally matched.
0: When you say esports personalities, do you mean like Counter Strike players? I'm
1: guessing that's what that means. <laughs> I am not one. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, I'm not. I'm not the sort yeah, of person no, no, who's no, ever God, seen God, an esport in his life, fair, so yeah. I, I, you know, I can't.
0: I can't no, 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 no! If you don't but,
2: know, you you've got you got like a multiplayer online battle arenas, which are team games, and yeah. entirely dissimilar. Like the uh, Offense of the Ancients two, that's that's actually quite yeah. good. I mean, it is a game of players
0: competing to be the least bad at the game. <laughs> yes, but there's a very a really good reason good why they don't use why they don't broadcast the communications between the players anymore. <laughs>
1: Um, so, um, still on D&D. We're still on DD for the moment. Chris Cox, yep, that's his name, uh, who is the president of Wizards of the Ghost, he spoke to GeekWire last week, and he's reporting that D&D is up 30% in 2018 over 2017, which is the fourth year in a row that's happened. Nice. Um, he's also said, that, you know, this upcoming uh, Magic the Gathering D&D crossover, Ravnica, Mm-hmm. He's also said yeah, we yeah. should expect more of those in the future. Interesting yeah. to
0: see. I mean, more settings are always good. Wow.
1: Well, yeah.
4: Well, but at the moment, moment
1: all <laughs> Good settings are always good. I don't really know any Magic Gathering settings myself. I know all of the older no. D&D settings, but they don't appear to be resurrecting those. No. So, where's,
0: my, where's my Ravenloft?
1: Yeah. Well, well, yeah. my yeah. well, they Ravenloft. did do Ravenloft with Curse of Strahd. Last year, yeah, but that's not. It's not. It's not not a full setting book.
2: Um, It's like spooky D &D. and D. But yeah, I mean, the thing I like about the Magic the Gathering stuff is it does offer the potential Mm. to actually think outside the. You go into a ten foot square room and there's a couple of orcs in there just sitting around and waiting to have a fight with you.
3: It's no. it's interesting to see how well D and D is doing, yeah. and like it is it is really dominating as well. I've I've seen an uptick in people recently trying to convince people that D and D is not the only thing out there. Yeah,
1: well, I I tend yes. to think although D and D does dominate the market, I do I'm one of those people that does think a rising tide floats all ships. So the so mm-hmm. the the more successful, the flagship. Sort of game in the hobby is the the better things are for the rest of us. I know I've certainly seen that in terms of traffic on my site and um, how well my own books do, even when they're not D and D. I think it generally kind of tracks a bit with how you know how popular the broader hobby is. Yeah,
0: for sure. Like I mean, D and D is the gateway game. Yeah, mm. it's it's an it ambassador. Is the, it's the game. It's the game you learn. You start on. Um, and then you go, oh, actually, I like this bit of D&D. It's Maybe there's wi- a game that focuses yeah. on that.
3: It's weirdly yeah. complex for a gateway game as well, if you consider yeah, how many bit. rules you have to know to make D&D happen.
0: Yeah, I've been, I, I think about
2: that a lot mm. because I've, I've run this role-playing game club and I've got people who come in and they will only play d mm. They won't play any of the game. Mm. It's I mean, odd. there's some people who come in and are like,
1: I want to play role-playing I was, games. I was think, I'm thinking, I'm thinking well. about this, Peter, actually. Are these people who mm. have never played D&D before? Are they like, mm. why don't you just play something yeah. else and just tell them it's D&D? Or
2: they played one game, which often translates as I've never played before, mm. or I've played a bit, which means I've seen many podcasts I, about D&D.
1: Well, I imagine to a, I'm I imagine not, in a I'm lot of people, D&D and RPGs are you know, basically synonyms. Mm. You know, it's, it's the brand yes. name of the hobby. They don't necessarily know about other games. So you could just play some yeah. other game, and as far as they're concerned, they're playing D&D maybe, at least until they learn uh, a bit more yeah. about the hobby. Yeah, just this,
0: throw a Dungeon mould at them. Yeah. This D&D
3: is about <laughs> werewolves. Yes. <This> <laughs> and there's an apocalypse This, this D&D is
1: about spaceships.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think the thing that really appeals about D&D is not actually, I mean, rules-wise, yes, it's complex. But when you're a new player, how much rules do you actually have to know? Not so many. Your DM knows it all. The big selling point of D&D is actually its simplicity. It's moral simplicity. You're a
0: hero. It's They're f- awesome. It's very black and white. Mm. Yeah.
2: The, exactly. The, the
3: setting simplicity as well in that it is all fantasy, go. Yeah. And like the the generic setting of D&D is just whatever fantasy your GM's seen recently. And you mash whatever you want yeah, into there and yeah. it makes it happen. Yeah. And, and it's so, so, so everyone, accessible. Like everyone that. knows what an orc is. Everyone knows, everyone knows what a wizard is. And then you can just yeah. get more complex from there on in.
0: And also the fact that, like, there's a rule for everything. Mm. So when you're starting out, you don't have to go, uh, I don't know what to do in this situation. You've got the book to help you.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's
1: possibly true about older editions of D&D, certainly not the current one. Yeah. No, but, pa- pa- like, generally. Pathfinder Fifth yeah. does
0: go more for the rulings rather than yeah. rules. Which... Yes, but when you're playing something like like Dungeon World,
3: where hybrid. you can
0: make up part of the setting as a player. That's a lot to throw mm. on a first-time player. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas there's probably a rule for it in one of the other d editions.
1: Mm. Nathan Stewart over uh, Wizards of the Coast, um, he was speaking on a Twitch stream just last week, and uh, he's, uh, he's confirmed there will be a new setting book next year in 2019. Mm. He hasn't said what it is, but he has said it is definitely not Spelljammer. Oh, why, why would he do that? Because he's... Uh, that what hes what's he, wrong with
3: Spelljammer? He can be a bit of a
1: troll online in the sense that he'll hint at things which aren't going to happen. So he was showing off some uh, pictures of books and things, and there was a piece of paper <laughs> hidden behind a picture of the books, and it looked like part of the Spelljammer logo behind it. This is a couple of months ago or something like that, sparking a whole load of online discussion saying, oh, they're releasing Spelljammer. There must be. Why would he do that? And, of course, he was completely... Mm. Trolling everybody, and uh, when he uncovered it a week later, because you could only see the S, it was the word "summer"
3: written in. Uh, I was hoping it would be like Spelljumper or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm 100 so on board for that. Yeah. Though. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, 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 he enjoys sort of trolling fans a little bit on Twitter. So who who knows whether that's true or not? But that's what he said. Mm. Every year on EN World, I run a most anticipated game of the next year poll, and I run it towards the end oh, of the yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, the poll usually runs through November, uh, and then I announce them in December. That has launched. Um, it's currently in the nomination Ooh. phase. So anyone who is anticipating a game that is going to be released in 2019 um, can hop on Ooh. over and nominate that game. All the games nominated will go into the poll, then we'll do the big poll. We usually get sort get of about 10,000 votes or whatever, and then we'll count them down in the podcast sometime during September. Not September. Guess Woo-hoo. that would be going back in time. December. December.
3: It takes a long time to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds
2: that sounds like that should be a good laugh. Uh give a chance to shout out uh the indie studios and smaller games. Yeah.
3: Always fun. If only they generate some yeah. news. Tell you
1: what tell, tell you <laughs> what always does really well in those polls are the Swedish games. Always. They'll, they'll always yes. have two or three entries in the top ten for some reason. I mean they are gorgeous games, but um yeah. it's, it's interesting mm. how they manage to yeah, you know, totally dominate those polls.
2: Yeah, tales of the loop was, it was lovely, very popular, yeah. wasn't it? And then we've got what tales from the deluge? I think tales of the flood. That was, uh, something from the flood expansion. was it? Something yeah, like that, something like I that. Remember. I think it's tales. Yes, yeah,
1: uh, and yeah, they, they do a whole load of that stuff. Um, okay, you know Twitch at that, um, yes. that, that streaming it's software. Like uh, so D and D Beyond, which is the uh, sort of digital toolkit for D and D, the official one, and Twitch have teamed up for a a Twitch extension, which um, I believe video games already have these, but... I wouldn't know, not ever having ever watched someone stream a video game. But um, you, uh, people watching the um, watching a Twitch stream can now click on things on the Twitch stream to call up stats and things, say so the characters being played That's and stuff like that as a sort of overlay.
0: That's actually fairly useful, because they do that quite heavily with the Magic yeah, the Gathering card right. game, so you can see what cards are in people's hands and in people's That's graveyards, and it actually makes it a little bit more interactive. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Admittedly, quite a lot of people in the Twitch chat just going you idiot. You played the wrong card, but you know, <laughs> isn't
1: Twitch normally really supportive?
0: Yeah, they're really they're they're really positive <laughs> yeah. all the time. Mm,
2: lovely Is that people. Massive yeah. irony because I don't know. That doesn't sound not, like co- not quite
1: as supportive, I think, as YouTube commenters. <laughs> 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 no, they're well special. known for being yeah. a positive punch.
0: Yeah. of the light and joy of life.
1: Oh, guys, guys. I found some news that isn't D and D. Good oh, lord! Wow. What is it? Wow. Uh, so um, there's a board game called Root R O O T Apparently, oh, yeah. I don't know it, uh, mm-hmm. but it's getting a role-playing game adaptation courtesy of Magpie Games. Oh, great! Uh, um, so mm-hmm. I'm just reading this, but apparently the board game premiered at Gen Con with a, a release later this month, and it features asymmetrical gameplay between different woodland animals. <laughs>
0: Asymmetrical badges that yes. are left to <laughs>
1: Just those stripes, just aren't misaligned. Uh, yeah, oh, it's just not oh, like that. I've
2: been
4: very ill.
1: <laughs> you can let that uh, battery even it's wonky. Uh, Magpie Games has a uh, multi-year license. It says long-term plans, and there's a Kickstarter for the core Walls coming next year.
3: Okay, Magpie are a lovely company, and I'm up for any sort of like fox schemes. Yeah, mm. that sounds good to me. Yes,
2: feel uh, like what, uh, what, what
3: was it? What was it called? Uh, the Forest hymn and Picnic. Yeah, Which was kickstarted recently, which is a uh, kind of over the garden wall, wind in the willows, um, slightly creepy, slightly fairy tale, folk tale adventure in the woods. And that mm. had a successful kickstarter a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago. And I'm really nice. excited to play a uh, raccoon with a hat who smokes a pipe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dear. I can just imagine oh. the cosplay. Mm? <laughs> <laughs> All body paint. Yes. <laughs> Nothing else. All this hair.
1: Is it bad I'm getting uh, quite excited? No, I'm not.
3: Um, be, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm a beautiful man, it's fine. Uh, right. um, <laughs> I do think
1: I do think that is it for the news. I can't find any more. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's always, it's always so you good to end on a so much fun, and I can see the disappointment in your face now that the new segment is over. <laughs> I am sorry. I oh, know. What's the
3: next segment? Is
2: it
1: time? Shall we play our favourite game in all the world? But,
2: but yeah, shall we, shall we play our favourite game in all the world? Okay, then?
1: our favourite game in all the world, where I read out the name of a Kickstarter, and you have to guess what it is from just the name. Um, it's on the oh. honour system. If you've already heard of the Kickstarter, you know what it is. You've got to tell me. No cheating okay. now. Um, what I will do, so I just give you could, one
3: each. It's probably. Could easier. we make up something funny if we know what the real answer oh, is? You could do that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Fine. Cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. That, that I mean, there's really this true. one
1: called. Oh, what's this? Strata Aspire RPG sourcebook by Grant. How? No, I don't know what that. Don't know no. what that would be. Yeah. The
0: most important thing you're going to read this month.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you want some news? Oh, I say, well. what? We'll <laughs> yeah, you want some news? We got some hot
3: news for you right here, buddy.
1: Um, so I'll give you one each. Right then. Uh, Peter, do you want to start? Dinosaur Princesses. I just see the way his Possibly
0: face lit up the best then. game ever. Sounds <laughs> like the best game ever made.
1: I,
2: I, I must play this game. I don't know what it We're is. Move aside, but-
0: Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, why wasn't this in the news?
2: <laughs> Dinosaur Princesses in his house. Oh wow. What do you think it is? Dinosaur princesses. Well, I'm hoping it's like using the My Little Pony system. It's an extension pack for that because that would be amazing. And you've got dinosaurs, you've got princesses. A lot of it is hopefully in the name. Now, the question is, are the princesses riding the dinosaurs or are the dinosaurs actually the princesses? You're
1: the one trying to guess, Peter. You tell me. <laughs>
2: um, no, I'm not giving anything away. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Um, I'm going to nail my... Colors to the mask here and say, actually, you play Hasnars or Who's a Princess living in a Saurian society and resolving things until you eventually learn that friendship is magic.
1: Peter, you have just scored one thousand and fifty points. Woo! Out of out of ten. A <laughs> uh, dinosaur pr- princesses a uh, rules light collaborative tabletop mm-hmm. role playing game about friends mm-hmm. who are dinosaurs who are princesses solving problems together. Just going to back this now. That sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm about to say, search for that. <laughs> the link will be in the show notes. That does sound pretty... <laughs> oh, say Hamish Cameron. Um, oh, do you know? Uh, uh, there's also a, a, a little a little twist. The rule book is also a colouring book. Uh,
0: Get two
3: copies, Grant. How good is that? Yeah, on, <laughs> two, two copies. One that you can ruin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Well, it depends. Can you colour between the lines? Is. How was your... How's your colouring skill? You don't uh,
3: need to colour between the last words.
1: I wouldn't be bound by these lines. <laughs> can't you can't tell me where to color the, <laughs> the lord, lord of my domain. Give them as guidelines. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, 1,050 points. Well done. Oh, well, thanks for
2: giving me a nice easy one. I, I thought it might be hard.
1: Who wants to go next? I'm going. Your game? All right. The next one is Dragonflight. What is dragon Dragonflight.
3: Um, I've got to assume you play a flight of dragons. <laughs> um, I uh, like you'd play, you'd play a small number of dragons. Like right. uh, you go to a pub and say, and, and you say, you say, "Can I get a pint of dragons?" Oh, actually, I don't really know which which pint of dragons I'd want. And so they'd give you a dragon flight, which is like three or four quarter pints of dragon on a serving board, just to taste.
1: I love the way your mind works.
3: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Ooh. Sadly, you are incorrect. Yeah. But I okay. wish you were correct.
3: Mm. Is it? Is it just about playing a bunch of dragons flying around?
1: Exactly that, playing a bunch of dragons flying around in D anD D fifth edition.
3: Uh, it's no dinosaur princesses. It's not. It's, Although I like yeah, the idea of
0: migrating dinosaurs.
3: Yeah, it's not. It's not even based on Anne McCaffrey.
1: There's nothing saying that. There's nothing there saying these dragons can't be princesses. Oh,
3: I mean, it depends on the society. I guess. You'd, you'd need the princess yeah. um, template, wouldn't you? I
1: think you're. I think you're being unduly prescriptive there. Yeah.
3: I think a bit unfair. Well, of-
2: I mean, just because dire. Darren- <laughs> Dragons are traditionally tyrannical. So is it, <laughs> is it
3: is it is it rules for PC dragons in D&D? 2C
1: Gaming's Dragonflight provides rules mm. to bring dragon characters to your D&D 5th
3: edition games.
0: Uh, <laughs> that game with Dragonborn in it. Uh, no, I think, yeah,
1: these, I think these are actual Dragonborn. dragons rather than Dragonborn, but yeah. Half
0: dragons.
3: Like Dragonborn, but they're dad. All right, well, fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you... Do not sound enthused. I, like, you're supposed to go into the dungeon and kill the dragon. Well, in this case, you're, you're not... the dragon, and you come out of the dungeon and kill the. I don't know.
3: And, and, what, and take a level in barbarian. A barbarian. I don't <laughs> that sounds fairly easy. So, no, so, okay, so, so, no rogue dragon. I'm, I'm on. I'm on board with.
2: Bit of sneak attack, or just but a bonus, has a bonus action. You hide behind. <laughs> each... <chair>.
0: Flanking maneuvers <laughs> as a dragon. <laughs> you pretend to be a statue.
2: Mm. All
1: right. I'm going to give you uh, four points out of ten for that.
3: Well, thank you. Shocking,
1: because you did manage to repeat the word "dragon" from the name, which has to be yeah. worth something. Yeah, a contribution no, points. I don't think
3: that's fair. I, I, I also want you to know I had actually already seen that and forgot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, 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 I can go one worse. Uh, I, I was on another podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, the guy who runs that podcast listens to ours, and he decided to play this game with me so he right. asked me one I couldn't remember what it was until halfway through I remembered not only did I know what it was it was something I'd actually asked Peter earlier that week and then uh. completely forgot I'd done it
3: it was your Kickstarter was your, you wrote the it
1: book. was a humiliating experience I must say <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right'm I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Chris can do better than me because I'll show great we it.
1: shall see we <laughs> shall see are you ready Chris
0: let's go for it
1: okay what is table breakers
0: i'm really hoping that it is an incredibly complex wrestling <laughs> rpg
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that just it's, it's either it's either the world's most complex wrestling rpg which where the only way to take people out of a match is to throw them through right. a table it's, it's like a vampire it, it's the world's most tedious rpg where you just try and get excel to work mm. <laughs> Just desperate. Just cut. oh, come on! Don't do a Look up
1: tables. Do a There's
3: a bad variable somewhere. So, uh, so you
1: do, you do, you do C4 is pick broken. One of those two things. I'm going
0: to go with the with the Excel spreadsheets. I think that's the one. It is
1: okay. You're wrong. But if you'd gone for the other one, you'd have been wrong as well. Because table breakers is a super heavy set of solid metal poly <sighs> dice. Hang on, hang on. They're
0: advertising that their products are going to destroy something more expensive than them.
1: Apparently sorry, Well, I don't yeah.
0: know. Is it more expensive than them? Look at the price of them. Well, like I said, tables
1: what? 100 to £200? <laughs> £30 <laughs> £33 for a dice. That, I mean, don't get me wrong.
3: It has given me a that, new idea for a nice. name for my range of lighters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't get me wrong. That's too expensive for I'm dice. I'm very
3: sure I have a table <laughs> in this house
0: that costs less
1: than £33. I'm almost sure of that fact.
2: Why would mm. I want something R- 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 Does that include shipping cost? Uh, I would imagine not. It won't include shipping cost, will it? No. Let me have a look. It's going to be loud.
1: Shipping costs. Yeah. Destination. That's one dice. Uh, well, you have, you, oh, you could so, actually... What,
2: back
0: what a colossally bad idea. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Oh no! Sorry, I mean obviously.
2: No.
3: Yeah, don't no. don't risk spending money okay. on table destroyers.
1: Um, I uh, it does not include shipping costs. Shipping costs will be on top of that. Veneer ruiners. It's <laughs> the some of the risk
0: section of the Kickstarter risks the dice themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So unfortunately, Chris, you have scored a minus twelve points out of ten. though. Oh man. I will super take oh, yeah. that. That, that, yeah. that, that. That was, that was good. That G- puts good, us to minus go. eight. I, I would say I would say it was a good effort, but. <laughs> It wasn't
0: really. I'm fairly sure that both of my ideas were better oh. than the ideas for the dice. Mm-hmm. I actually
1: quite like the look at these. Stuff. I'm actually considering backing it. Really?
3: Have you got a table you don't
1: like?
3: I really hate the stuff in my house. This table's been walking around like it owns the Let's place. Try it.
1: Get a rock. Maybe I can sell you a hammer.
2: I mean, if you. I mean, like, how many dice would you normally have? Like two d six or. Like maybe get set at 10 or something. Uh,
1: 33 quid? That's I'm sure f- 30 quid not sure how many of
2: you. 330 quid. It's 33 30, pounds <laughs>
1: <it's> 30 <laughs> for a set, not for each dice. I was slightly oh, wrong. Right. Oh, okay. And
0: 600 oh, okay. quid for shipping for that across a continent. <laughs> Crikey.
2: Yeah, well, that, that certainly sounds like it will be a popular one to which we'll all be
0: subscribing. <laughs> yeah. Diving out now.
1: <laughs> that was our favourite game in all the world. <laughs>
0: I do quite I admit I do quite like that game.
1: Sadly, I have to declare Peter as the winner of that. Hmm. <laughs> Grant, Grant looks
2: less impressed. I'll be fair. <laughs> I think it's the dice that's really doing
3: it's the right.
1: dice that have really bothered me.
3: It's the fact that they're going to I destroy thought that was table. Okay. Are you going to assume I like that table, or it's owned by my landlord? What if it's someone else's table? <laughs>
1: that's bad then. Once again, I could just, just stand on it.
3: Yeah, I, mate, mate, I can write 17 on a hammer and hit a table with it. <laughs> oh, I wrote <rolled> 17!
2: <laughs> okay, okay, you got 17. Okay.
3: You do I, see, I'm just
1: you you do it see unduly now. enraged
3: by just dice. It, it just bothers me, you know?
1: <laughs> Nothing like a good glass of the finest elven fire water, Air Lord Grimstaff?
2: You're right there, Sir Mortimer.
1: Who'd have thought back when we were just first level, we'd be all sitting here drinking elven fire water?
2: Aye, in them days, we'd have been glad to have the price of Goblin Spittlebrew.
1: Cup of cold Goblin Spittle Brew.
2: Ha ha ha, in a filthy
1: cracked cup. We never used to have a cup. We used to have to drink out of an ogre's boot. An ogre's boot? The best we could manage was to suck at the troll's loincloth. But you know, we were happy in those days, though we were low-level adventurers.
2: Aye, because we were low-level, my old dad used to say to me, gold doesn't buy you happiness.
1: He was right. I was happier then, and I had nothing. We used to live in this tiny old house with great big holes in the roof.
2: A house? You were lucky to have a house. We used to live in one room, all 126 of us. Now, furniture. half the floor missing. We're all huddled together in one corner for fear of falling into a
1: bottomless pit. You are lucky to have a room. We used to have to live in a dungeon corridor.
2: Oh, we used to dream of living in a dungeon corridor. Would have been a palace to us. We used to live in an old crypt in a haunted graveyard. We got broken up every morning by zombies trying to eat our brains. Dungeon! <laughs>
1: Well, when I say dungeon, it was only an old hole in the ground covered by a piece of cloth, but it was a home to us. We were evicted from
2: our hole in the ground. We had to go and live in the lake.
1: You were lucky to have a lake. There were a 160 of us living in a small puddle in the middle of the road.
2: Lucky, lucky, lucky. We lived for three months in a used wineskin in a cobalt lavatory. We used to have to get up at six o'clock in the morning. Eat a crust of stale bread. Go to work down the dungeon for 14 hours a day. Week in, week out. And come home. Only to be robbed blind by a gang of bandits.
1: Luxury! We used to have to get out of the puddle at 3 o'clock in the morning. Clean the puddle. Eat a handful of hot gravel. Go to work at the dungeon every day for two copper a month if we were lucky.
2: Well, we had it tough. We used to have to get up out of the wineskin at 12 o'clock at night. And lick the road clean with our tongs. We had half a handful of freezing cold gravel. Worked 24 hours a day at the dungeon for four coppers every six years. And when we go home, we kill to death
1: with a scimitar. Right. I had to get up in the morning at ten o'clock at night, half an hour before I went to bed, drink a cup of sulfuric acid, work for twenty-nine hours a day down the dungeon, and pay the dungeon master for permission to come to work, and when we got home, bandits would kill us and dance about on our graves singing hallelujah.
2: Hmm. But you try and tell the low-level adventurers today that, and they won't believe you? Nope. Nope. Well, so obviously, Hearty Dice Friends is your podcast upon which you talk about several things, but probably the stuff that I know you guys best about was when you started working on uh, the Spire mm. RPG, which, yeah, because people were talking about it sounded really interesting. Um, you have a tower full of Dark Elves that has been taken over by High elves, and then your erstwhile Dark Elves are leading an insurrection uh, against their fascist overlords. I'm not saying that you're tapping into a zeitgeist or anything, but the idea of dealing with the rise of a fascist state that's oppressing minorities might be something that has uh, struck chords with uh, yeah. my political viewpoints. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hella zeitgeisty, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we were feeling some things.
2: Yeah, was, was that was that intentional or did you just, oh, yeah. were you just like thinking, we'll cope with stuff and then it, it was just like, or, or did you say, I, I don't know, I, I haven't read it, but uh, I've... I've seen the book. It's actually been a prize at my club. So, yeah. Excellent. And people... And I've I've made the guy who won it promise that when he runs it, I will get to be in his game. Oh, that's nice. Good. That's significantly
3: easier than reading. Well, given that you gave him the book, Uh, I suppose you have some leverage there. (laughs) 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 We wrote it in the wake of the Brexit vote and also Mm. of the uh, Republican um, election, the Republican, you know, presidential uh, nomination in... In in America, and so there was a lot of like, oh, hang on, oh, the baddies are winning, and there was also like, Mm. there was also the creeping, slow realization that, oh, hang on. I thought everyone was basically decent, and it turns out they're not. And so that was that was quite scary to to deal with. And I think that like a, a lot of the people I was talking to had gone from like, oh, things are bad, to things are bad. And so I think there's, there was a cathartic element to having a role-playing game where you get to revolt and that gets to make an impact. I guess I get, you, you get to make change. <laughs> and it's a safe yep. space to play that out in i think uh, i'm not sure whether it's just like i'm not sure whether it's blunting our real world revolutionary attempts or encouraging <laughs> them but it's uh, uh the fact the, the revolution idea was chris's angle
0: because originally it was uh it was more sort of spycraft style mm. um mm. it was much more espionage based and we shifted it more to the revolutionary angle because there was more traction in it for a game mm. um when mm. you're when you're Doing spycraft, you're kind of working on roughly the same level across a game, yeah. uh, the same social strata of a game. Yeah. But when you're downtrodden and beaten up, and you're um, essentially a minority in your own city, mm-hmm. then punching up is a good way to is mm. a good way to get things done. And we wanted to make a game where that wasn't necessarily easy, but it was doable because mm. it's a game all about making ridiculously hard decisions and like throwing some of your your friends under the bus. Essentially
4: mm-hmm.
0: to get what you want and to get more power for yourself. So it's it's that kind of it's one of those games that hovers in a moral grey area rather than being yeah. black and white, like mm. say as we spoke earlier about Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah, it's been really fun writing it and really fun seeing the stuff everyone's done with it. Oh, it's been great. Like we have a we have a really nice community that we uh, we have on Discord mm. and they have a, a Google Doc that everybody contributes to and they create random tables for the setting. Right. So like One of the things things we've done is we haven't nailed down the setting, as it were, in the book. There's no timeline. There's no, this has happened, so you must remember it. Everything's fluid and hooks. Like, if you've ever read Trail of Cthulhu, Mm. you'll know that in the back of that, like, there's three different descriptions of what Cthulhu is. Like, he's a mimetic virus. He's an actual old god. He's from space. You know, and and when we use that a lot, so the Spire itself has 17 different reasons as to why the Spire city exists. And there is no canon answer.
1: Right. We
0: don't know. We don't know. It's all set up so that a player who comes to it can interpret it how so they want It's kind of a
3: bit
1: toolkitty in that sense. You can sort of almost create.
3: Yes, your own... Yes, kind of, yeah. Your own sort of setting. And I, think, I think hooky I'd go for would be the word. Yeah,
0: like because it, it gives you the, the basic uh, political structures and it gives you the NPC groups yeah. and think like uh, West Marches, mm. things like that, where you get a mm. sandbox where there's all the, fac- all the factions and how they move. No, but no actual plot. thing of yeah. last... Yeah, no, 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 no last no, Tuesday no this No, plot sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yes. And you can disregard any part of the setting you, you want to. It, the, nothing is necessarily reliant
3: yeah. on the rest. We, we had actually... We wrote it initially with five... I think it was four or five levels of detail. And there was one which is, if you want to run this as a generic fantasy game, but about revolution, level one. And then level two, here's some places. Level three, here's some locations. Level four, here's some NPCs. And it was impossible to write or read. So, so we dialled that back. <laughs> it was a monster. The uh, the way yeah. I the thought of players writing pages of backstory for one of my games fills me with dread. Mm. I, mm. I find backstory is hugely limiting because the that's not the play of a game. You, like you can decide how your character um, would act in certain situations, but the play of a game is when you sit around a table and you improvise a story with one another. And my favourite way to generate story is I wrote an article about it years ago. It's called uh, "My Mother's Second Best Sword." and that's what you have instead of a sword and also you don't explain what it is right. you just write down my mother's second best sword and then you make sure that the gm knows that you've got that and then you make sure the other players know that and you leave it there until it, until it coalesces into a mm. story and I think that that's, that's a much more um, engaging way of being able to tell stories. But it involves a lot of player trust and it involves a lot of player um, action in terms of coming up with narrative, like Chris was saying earlier about Dungeon World. So it can be quite scary to a new player to put things forward. But yeah, it, it's, it's kind just, of like, just how they've been trained.
0: It's kind of like filling a, filling a character sheet with Chekhov's guns. Yeah. Right. Like they're going to come up later in play, but you don't need to know exactly how or what they yeah, do. What they exactly do.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and one of the other things we wanted to avoid was anybody in a game ever going, "No, you're wrong. That's not how this works." Right, like because in say Forgotten Realms, etc., you know that if you go west from a city, there's this, there's Disenchanted Wood. Right. Mm. If you, if you know, if you've read the book and you know that, you can't really do that in Spire because we, we very rarely actually say the the hard and fast geography. Mm. We don't often say which way factions are politically leaning. We give hints that you can use. Mm. Um, so again, you can you can disregard large sections of it and just focus on the bit of story you want. Some of the published adventures we've done are just one of them is just a bundle of newspaper mm. clippings and then a load of NPCs. So you're tasked with taking over a single district. It's called the Silver Quarter, which are, I think fantasy Las Vegas and across with
3: fantasy Venice. So it's okay. it's, it's, yeah. it's
0: it's casinos and it's high-rises and things like that.
3: Canals. Yeah.
0: And all yeah. there is is yeah. there's about five or six major NPCs. Mm. And you've got to either, like, bring them under control of the ministry, which is the group you work for, kill them, get rid of them. Ignore them. Ignore them. Whatever you yeah. want to do. And it handles that very loosely so that you can have your own mm. story in it. Mm. And we keep getting different different people's reactions to it when they say, oh, this happened in my game, and they'll have an argument with somebody else who's played it. Like, who's that? I never even heard of them. Because <laughs> their DM didn't <laughs> yeah, use yeah. them yeah. because they focused on the stuff that the players liked each mm. time. Mm. Um, and it's been wonderful to see that go through.
1: Yeah, it's been really exciting. So what, what was it, what's a typical event a typical, or, or a typical sort of game in Aspire look like?
3: We so like we tend to run online um, because oh, well Chris tends yeah. to run online primarily so because I live in the woods yes he lives in the middle of nowhere with wolves but he <laughs> uh, so like so over a three hour session I suppose generally the players will be looking into an NPC in some way who they want to. Mm. What's the word? Exploit effect, right. effect is effect, the political term. Yes. So either either it'll be, oh, we're trying to assassinate this person, but more commonly, oh, we're looking for blackmail information on them, or we're looking we're trying to find a way to give them what they want so then we can get them as a bond and then get deeper into the organization, which is the person we actually meet. Right. there's uh there's generally a hurried, brutal fight. One side goes down hard.
0: Combat is deadly. Yeah. And like it's mm. and like,
3: the great thing is it's fine until it isn't which is which is my favourite thing about spider combat is it's, yeah. it's like it's, it's like oh oh I'm winded oh I'm knocked over oh my legs off <laughs> and it's like uh, we wanted to make we wanted to make violence um like the, the way that the system goes you're kind mm-hmm. of to blame. Like, like, unless you get hit really hard straight out the gate, you're to blame for your own misfortune because you had that. You had the capacity to not get involved in this fight. You had the capacity to walk away or solve the problems beforehand. And so, when you do die, your um, punctured lungs sputtering blood and air out onto the floor, it, it, you could have walked away at the start of that. Was it worth it?
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, and that's and that's always fun. For we learnt a lot from unknown oh, no, armies. No.
1: So, would you say the game discourages combat then?
0: No, it sees combat as right. a tool.
3: It doesn't, it doesn't glorify it, but it is no. definitely there.
0: Um, for instance, each player, they have separate health tracks for a lot of different yeah. things. They have blood for health. They have silver for money. So you can get hurt in your money.
1: I frequently do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, for instance, in one game, um, one character was near an explosion. And it didn't make sense that he, that he was very acrobatic, this character. And it didn't make sense that he blew up and yeah. got hurt so so what happened was he took damage to silver as his like really fine coat got burnt
1: right i see
0: and he had to replace it and things like that and you can drop from being absolutely fine to essentially dead with one sword hit but you have a lot of ways of mitigating that yeah of getting out of the way of making the weapon hit somebody else and it's a lot about that like well you want to be fine right cool which one of your friends do you want to die yeah. And you've always got the option of attempting to resolve things without violence?
2: Yes. Oh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, um, mm-hmm. there's
0: a lot of different abilities and methods in the game for mm-hmm. coercion, interrogation, intimidation, flattery, all that sort of uh, There's, there's, there's a starting, stuff.
3: There's a starting ability for one of the classes which stops any fight. It's is our, mm-hmm. our Lady's Peace, and it stops all the fighting in a room. You can't move above a run. It is as damaging as getting shot in the gut to the caster uh, in terms of stress but you can shut down any fight you're in uh if you need to and so because chris and i like we like making games where you talk to npcs and where you investigate stuff and and set up schemes like honestly long-winded fights aren't very interesting i tend to get bored by about round three uh, and especially like like when I'm GMing and if I'm jamming, uh, so I, I ran Thirteenth Age quite a while, which I I, I mm. really rate. But I'd yeah, get really I'd get to the end, and like Thirteenth Age is expressly designed that like you've got the encounter, the escalation dice, so it means that you're hitting more often, you're doing yep. you're doing more damage, it's really exciting. But even uh, then, nice like, I'd get to yep. I'd get to round four, uh, I'd get to round five, and I'd, I'd feel like apologetic to the, to the to the players that it wasn't over yeah. yet. It's like, oh, I guess we're just going through the. Thing and so in all of in all of the work that Chris and I have done, we've tried to think about rather we're thinking about the ends rather than the means. So it's not it's not hugely interesting to have a fight, but it is hugely interesting to fight for what you believe right, in. Okay. And I think that's what we're it's what we're going for. We're, we're trying to take the focus off measuring your ranges and you know how, what percentage of cover you're in and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's just it's very abstract
0: because mm. like the the, the standard um, stress that an NPC can suffer is three. Mm-hmm. A sword will do D6. No. So if, if you're they're attempting to kill a civilian, yeah. as it were, you probably shouldn't be doing that. But yeah. if you were, you just
1: hit him with a the sword Well, die. to be fair, well, it mo- most of the too. times I get hit with a sword, I die. Not yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> probably 100%, it's 100% of the time. 100% of the time, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I can tell you for a fact that yeah, I have no. never, ever been hit by a sword and not died. That is yeah. a fact. prove it. Yeah, pretty little <laughs> forest fawn. <laughs>
3: this, it's one of your fey ruses.
2: Uh, you, you, can't, you can't see the hooves, but he yeah, oh, yeah. It actually is a forest fawn. So, mm. yeah, you
1: so you kickstarted this thing, what, in 2017? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, last and summer. And you made something like 75 grand. We 20, did, 000, yeah. I think, yeah. Which, Which was... Quite an astonishing amount of money,
0: considering we considering good. we were coming at it from nobody knowing the IP, nobody yeah. knew the world,
3: mm. nobody um, really knew who we were. It yeah. was yeah. Well, I mean, some honest, people knew who well, you were. Like, like still, people. Don't Did know you know,
1: know who, who each we other are. were? were we... Yes. No, yes. We, uh, <laughs> we we
3: actually met at the uh, the audition. <laughs> we met halfway
0: through the Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's
3: good. Yeah, been, it was weirdly been.
0: that the brought us together.
3: We've been busy mates like, since two thousand and five,
1: I think. Yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, and then uh, now you're you're doing a, a a second Kickstarter at the moment,
0: mm. which yes. is uh,
1: a sourcebook for Despair. Yeah.
0: Yes, it's called Strata.
1: So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Go on. Strata. Strata. Well, okay. Peter, do you want to try and tell us about that? Oh, what yeah, do you Peter. think? The I'm stra- intrigued. What do you think Strata is? <laughs> and then they can tell us what it really is. What is your understanding we'll, of what Strata
3: yeah, is? Yeah, in fact, we will give or subtract points depending on how well you guess what Strata is. <laughs>
1: that, sounds, that sounds like the way to go.
0: As long as we win.
2: Well, I, I, I think this sounds entirely fair. Um, if I was going to speculate as to what Strata would be in the context of a game called Spire, which is about a giant tower going into to the sky, You're Strata would be looking at the various levels that you have within the Spire Um, and that would probably be things like actual potentially physical levels like where you might have I don't know parks or something not sure how that would work but also the physical like not just physical the social structures as well because you'll have like different societies will have different and by societies, I'm thinking more like in terms of like guilds and power structures. Yeah, subcultures uh, where 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 they might relate and how they are like the the, the stratification. I'm, I'm going to me, you I'm gonna stop you. I'm going to stop It's probably a good
3: idea because he will go on for the next ten minutes. It's actually about trifle. <laughs> we could, well, like, say, uh, like we were gonna call it layers. I know, but I so. uh-huh. didn't. They didn't really test very well. No, you, you're pretty much bang on the money. It is. It mm. is an expansion. We want to write about the richest mm. and poorest places of Spire. Um, mm-hmm. So to give like to give the standards pitch for Spire. Spire is a many mile high city, which is far mm-hmm. too tall to exist. Reality's gone off in the middle, like old milk. And the, uh, it's, been, it's been a drow city for many thousands of years. 200 years ago, the High Elves turned up, took it over, and graciously allowed the drow to serve there in exchange for a period of indentured servitude. They are, they are bad folks, basically. And Strata is about the high society elements, so there's, like, there's where the High Elves come and live. Their, their district is permanently kept below freezing. Uh, because that's how they prefer it. So there's a legally imported magic using uh, which, which they use very strange, um, basically air conditioning units to, to to freeze their entire district. They and they're all very alien and weird, and they all wear masks all the time. So we want to try and examine that culture and see what, what, that, what that would feed into. Uh, we've got like the various houses of the of of the dark elves. I get very bored when I sit down to read a source book and someone's like, here are the 15 houses of the dragon-blooded families. This one bird, and 700 years ago, this lady married this man. And so what we've got is a paragraph okay. for each of them and then a slightly longer paragraph, which is an in-game ability you get if you play them. Right. Okay. And it's, it's very it's very broad. So it's like if, if you are from this noble house, you get, you, you get to have this ability. And so we want to try to keep it very up and focused and ticking over. But some of those guys allied with the Elphir... And so with the High Elves, and so it's about the betrayal suffered there. There's there, there's a civil war going off, uh, sorry, going on in in the Dark Elf homeland. So that's sort of turning up in Spire. Then then we also talk about the lowest uh, scale of society. Chris, you should take over because I've been talking for years.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, <yes>. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking at the low society is really interesting because we're working really from the bottom of the sump like the scraping the bottom of the barrel and going up. So a place there's a place like Derelictus which is essentially a slum, but it's one of the things we want to do is not just tell you what was in there. We want to tell you from the perspective of the people that live there. So it's mm. told by the by the children who live within Derelictus. Right. Should and know. The, it's and not in character. It's not in character, no. I can't, I can't stand in character stuff in all my <laughs> books. Um, but it's, their, it's, it's It's an account of their fairy tales. Um, oh. so, okay. the high, the, they're so they're so far removed from the High Elves that they, they've never seen one. But they have these legends of these weird golden creatures that occasionally come down. And steal and so children. You, and steal children. And y- it's all about that like different perspective of each district. Um, and how the factions interact with them. And what kind of stories you can get in there. Because uh, everything, I mean, like Grant mentioned that we have, you know, the, the the noble houses. And that you get kind of a paragraph, et cetera. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't seem like a lot. But there's, that's the core. That's like, this house is famous for X, essentially. Mm. And then any other little random piece of information pop up where it's relevant in the book. Mm. So if one of the noble houses has a lot of presence in, in derelictus in the slums, then they feature in that section. And it's about that modular nature of the game. You only need that core to just do what you want. But if you want the extra tidbits you read through, like we base a lot of stuff on absolutely amazing supplement for a game called The Armitage Files right. for Trail of Cthulhu yeah. where and Dracula Dossier and things like that, where yeah. not everything is, is straight up apparent. Um, and it doesn't have to be. It's about how much you want to read into the setting or not. And it's all interesting to read through. Um, and we've added in extra classes, what we use, oh, yeah. and we also have extra advances, which are like essentially prestige classes. You have to fulfill a requirement to get into. So we have things like the Inksmith, um, who's uh, essentially S. Thompson, mm-hmm. if he if but, he had access to magic, <laughs> but a wizard. <laughs> so you can start okay. changing the narrative of the world around you, and you can mm-hmm. force you've you've your buttons to force stories to happen. So let's say you're in, you're in some sort of deadlock, like you you're, you're tied to a chair and you're being interrogated. There's there's a power in the game to cause a man with a gun to walk through the door. It doesn't tell you which side of the conflict the man with a gun is on.
3: Why they have a gun.
0: Why they have a gun. But what it does is is it's a narrative um, power to force everything to come to a head. Sure. Mm. Everything's going to explode right now because of this power to so go full Raven Charm.
2: One of uh, the things the... we were
3: really keen to do with. Uh, yes, so, so, uh, so the, the other thing uh, is we wanted to explain, um, the talk about the state of the of culture and fiction in Spire. And so rather than doing a big list, we wrote a class about it. And so um, all the printing presses are in the industrial section, which, because we like film noir, happens to take place in film noir. <laughs> So it's all like it's 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 all like gin joints and detectives and that sort of stuff because we think it's cool. And so um, we have this character who writes these pulp fiction novels and channels this magic. But uh, as Chris was saying, with with, with the uh, the man with the gun walks through the door, the one of the big design decisions for Spire was to continually surprise the GM. We we love being surprised as GMs, and yeah. we hate prepping. So if a player c- if a player does something which generates half an hour of plot, oh great, oh that's wonderful. Because we didn't have to sit down and, and draw a dungeon or whatever, you know. It all keeps it fluid and dynamic and exciting. Uh, the other class we've got is the Shadow Agent, who uh, suffered a major um, mental break during training and now has no sense of self, and they can magically imprint themselves with covers to try to, to, to pass as other people for the, uh, for, the, for the ministry you work for. Which is actually a pretty grim character class. Now I say it out loud. It's not a fun thing to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, like they're they're so deep into their into their cover identities that if they fall out of a second story window and break both their legs as dressed as a policeman, they can throw the cover off, which takes off the broken legs, put on a right. bomb, essentially become, go into their barmaid identity and walk away from the fall.
3: Okay, and then but they if they ever police go police back off, into so. the policeman
0: one, their legs are broken it's as somebody, a policeman yeah. legs. This, this,
3: um, this is my confused face, by the way. Yeah, that's that's face. entirely yeah. fair. Like... We, that's the thing. Like, we really <laughs> like playing with Darth... Not Darth Magic, but like... um, It's this, this, that armies thing again. It's, it's, it's that, oh, I guess magic mm. could do that. Oh, look, I mean, mm. it happens in stories. That makes sense. And so, like, almost like... We're not quite fourth-wall breaking, but there's something metaphysical about, about messing mm. with it, which is funny. Yeah.
2: It, it's magic has magic rather than magic is science, sort of. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah very much so. Yeah. We don't explain how it works.
0: A lot of the parts in the game are that... Heavy focus on narrative. Everybody right. has at least one power that they pretty much start with, that gives you the power of over some of the story. Like for instance, mm-hmm. uh, the knight of the North docks, uh, essentially an alcoholic gangster, for want a better way of putting it. Um, they can at any point declare that they know a bar nearby, and mm-hmm. it's safe for the next half hour. So they mm-hmm. can they can change the world around them and manipulate yeah, the yeah, game sure, yeah, yeah. so it's not just the gm telling you a story mm-hmm. you're putting stuff into the story as well and you're contributing
3: and, and hopefully we've left the system loose enough that the gm can improvise their way around that and doesn't have to oh hang on a sec; i need to look up what the stats are
1: so how's, how's the how's the kickstarter going so far
3: i glanced at it last week it's doing all right we're on 42 and a Two and a half grand i think right nice. which is nice uh, which is more, yeah. more than we were expecting. That's right. outstripped all of our initial stretch goals. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's, it's a supplement, again, for a game with no IP, aside from ones we've invented. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, is, which is a challenge.
1: So um, are, you, are you planning a whole line of supplements for the Spire, or is this just it so far? We're taking it as it goes? S- as, as long, the long as there's
0: interest, essentially. Hmm. Our community has been very vocal in the fact that they want more Spire. Yeah. So we were like, okay, far be it from us to stop you. Mm. Um, so the idea is that we we keep making these source books. We keep making yeah. these sort of two uh, domains from the book. So this one was high society and low society yeah. together as source books for essentially as long as people all have us. Yeah, um, it's, We've, it's, we've it's got it's other projects lined up and all sorts of, uh, of other ideas percolating away but mm. right now we're really behind supporting Spire mm. because, as I say, like, people are so excited. Like We, we were amazed mm. at how much the Kickstarters have done. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, £75,000 is astonishing. It's, uh, yeah, it's a it's lot pretty pretty of easy. money. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: was a lot of books <laughs> yeah. as well. But like, one, of the, one of the really interesting things with Strata, and I think why it's one of the reasons why it's doing so well on Kickstarter at the moment, is that we've got a lot of other people writing for it. Oh,
3: yes. The nine um, other authors. We've got nine
0: <laughs> other authors. Should mention those uh, maybe. Yeah, each, each <laughs> writing a scenario or a campaign yeah. frame or whatever scale they wanted. Yeah. Uh, for the book, and it was really interesting because what we did is we just put out an open call on Twitter. Send oh. us a, send us a hundred word pitch. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So we've got we've got like industry veterans. We've got like Kira McGran Yep. Is doing a scenario for us, and it looks amazing. But we've also got people who have never written for role playing games before, mm. and they were just they were hired entirely on the strength of their pitch sure. um and like we're getting stuff back from and it's astonishing so good it's yeah. so it's exciting whipping with yeah. with tone and excitement the sort of the, the the base campaign for spire is this revolutionary thing where you go up spire and you take spire and hooray everything's lovely um we have an adventure about uh being kicked out of your home with an eviction notice like that low scale, mm-hmm. you're ju- all you're doing is you're trying to defend your, your 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 tenement building and the people who live in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got extreme high end beautification auctions, which are as grotesque as they sound. We've
3: got uh, midsummer murders, but with elves.
0: Uh, yeah, midsummer murders with elves.
3: There's one There's one set entirely in a single household where you all play the staff and you have to try and work out which of the elf here to try and turn kind <laughs> like, of like
0: Downton Abbey but murderous yeah. more, murderous. Um, <laughs> yeah, more there's,
3: murderous. like we've got, we've got an interesting um, lineup of writers and an interesting lineup of scenarios and uh, there's one which focuses around biscuits, which is very cool but like uh, like there is there is a, a, a bakery becomes very popular. With, with posh people and the muddied classes. And so the, the the ministry goes in and takes over. And how are we going to use this to, to overthrow the city? Which is really cool. And like, it's nice to see little different ways of looking at this. Like we've yeah. given people this sticky sort of like Pedido Street Station, Discworld, sort of mm. big, messy, not really defined city with room to explore, but also like mm. people, like there is a tone for Spire and people people can get it, which is cool.
4: Mm.
3: And they've got it. So we have, yeah, we have a bunch of authors, we have a bunch of rules, we have a bunch of setting, uh, a bunch of gorgeous mm. art. It's worth just going to the Kickstarter and have a look at the art. We have yeah. uh, Adrian Stone is our artist, and he's absolutely incredible. He has this uh,
0: had, like defining vision of yeah. Spire, because mm. we worked with him previously on a project called
3: Unbound.
1: I, I love the layout in Spire as well.
3: Oh, oh right. that was Alina Sandu. Oh, okay, yeah. No, yeah, I
1: always gift. have an eye for layout, because always, I always find that's the most exciting part of producing a book, is when... You know, when they're laid out pages. Are right yeah, back. when it, when oh, it right. when it's a real, real thing. thing. Yeah. No, not laying it out. Receiving <laughs> it back from the layout artist. Oh my God! Yeah,
0: yeah when, it, when it's like this proper physical, actual thing in your hands is wonderful. No, when it, when it comes back
1: and your sort of Word document and your bits of art and this and that have all been magically put together into something beautiful that's that's one of the most uh one of the most exciting parts of producing a book for me
2: so so, so guys uh, we've talked previously about how people get into the role-playing game so presumably there's going to be some people who are going to be really excited they want to get their friends playing spire like obviously it's going to be really easy because you write excellent system but like how complex is it how, if i wanted to run spire for my friends how much effort am i going to have to go to learning rules Almost I'm done. I'm thinking not much. Yeah, It's going to take you like 10 minutes. Core mechanics sort
0: of thing, or um, different mechanics for different things.
1: Do you know, do you know Apocalypse World?
3: Yeah, yeah, you're quite a fan of it, aren't you? Imagine yeah. if it used a D10 pool that only had one move.
0: So essentially what you do, you get a D10 for, for attempting something. Um, if you have a relevant skill, you get a D10. No. If you have okay. a relevant domain... You get a D10, and then some things can add another one where you get what's called mastery. Ah, yeah. And then you roll the dice, and the highest one counts.
3: And you consult a chart on page seven.
0: Uh, And depending on how well you do, you can take damage from it of various types, like uh, stress. It's called, Mm -hmm. Um, and like so. This, but it's the same role. If you're buying something. As okay. when you're doing an attack, mm. exactly the same role.
3: Or when you're, trying to conv- when you're trying to sneak in, when you're trying to convince someone that you're on the level, mm. they're all the same and they all have the same... We only ask players no. to roll if there's something at stake.
0: The, the stress taken is what changes it. Yeah. So if you're buying something, then it's silver stress. It costs you more money than you thought it was going to. You had to call yeah. in more favours. Mm. If mm. it's combat, then you took damage from that. They got a blow-in while you're doing it. And the entirety of the actual like hard and fast rules are, I think, 15 pages? Mm. In in quite a in quite a big book, all of the classes are self-contained, and they contain all the story and all the fiction related to them in that one thing. And it's not like there's a block of text to read; it's the powers that tell you that. So, for instance, um, what the Knight of the North Docks, which I mentioned earlier, one of the powers you can take for that is Knight Admiral, and what that does is that gives you a title, so it gives you a role-playing lever to flick. Mm-hmm. Um, you are an important person within that area. And it mm-hmm. gives you a boat.
3: It also gives you reputation.
0: And it gives you reputation. It gives so you, two it, it gives you, you get plus get two
3: reputation. reputation. So that means that you can soak more reputation damage, as it were. Okay. But it gives you a boat. And you pick, it's very pretty, it has a gun on it, or it doesn't leak. You pick one of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you learn you learn the classes and you learn the rules and you learn the setting as you play. Mm rather than having to have this encyclopedic knowledge of what's going on beforehand, sure. mm. you, you just pick it up and go.
3: We've all, like, we've also tried to keep it so like, if you pick a power, because like, there isn't a lot of... Um, you don't have a lot of powers. Uh, you, you like you you choose two abilities at start-up and you get one whenever you gain a level. And so with all of these, um, we've tried to make it so... Often when you pick something, you're signalling to the GM that you want something to happen in the game. Yeah. So like, mm. I've got a boat in the game. Cool, okay, well, we should put boats in. Probably um, a good those... idea, otherwise... There's one which has, like, Carrion Priest, a kind of a death cult uh, gods, uh, uh, priests we have. And they have, a, a, one of their powers is you can talk to ghosts. And also, once per game, you find a ghost. Because nowhere else in the book do we mention ghosts <laughs> a great deal. So
0: We mention them, yeah. but there's not, like, a section about ghosts. Yeah.
3: No. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: um, but it's, it's the, the, all these powers, as Grant says, is a signal to the GM, I want my campaign to feature this. Yeah.
3: I, and oh. I, when I do this, I want to be good. I want this to matter. Yeah. Um, but now the the rules are very straightforward. Um, the the biggest thing that like you'll consult the book for is fallout. So uh, as mm-hmm. Chris was saying, you accrue stress. Every time you take stress, there's an increasing chance. The more stress you've got, that that solidifies into fallout. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is and so it's stri- think of stress as potential, and fallout is concrete. And so five blood stress is just oh, I'm feeling a bit winded. I've I've pushed myself too far. A, f- a moderate um, blood fallout is your own breaks, and then those. What we try to do with those is we try to um, make them interesting and exciting because people quite like getting hurt in RPGs. People lo- like, people love having misfortune upon Especially their characters. Inspire. Especially like it. it's really yeah,
0: weird. The it's, masochism it's is not, astonishing.
3: But um, so like um, um, one of the are ho- you attracting
1: to this game. <laughs> Well, you know, goths. The um
3: the uh so like some of the some of the severe fallout results for mind stress aren't like we don't actually have you go mad and are retired. Yeah. But we've got um you become obsessed with one thing. And when you do that, you roll with benefits, and when you do anything else you roll with negatives. Or mm-hmm. you turn against your cell because you're tired at the abuses that the ministry have lumped on you. Yeah. and we've tried to make it so there's no sort of oh you got hurt, you can't play anymore like even that like uh, you get knocked out and miss something important, yeah, yeah. what what did you miss? that sort of thing? Mm. So we always try and have these push story forward and think of them like branches rather than blocks.
0: yeah, and the fallout can be like there's now a warrant out for your arrest. yeah mm. um, everybody knows what your face looks like because you're in the papers.
3: We've got special fallout of special monsters as well. Sorry, special um, NPCs. So there's like one, uh, there's a, what's the gang leader's name?
0: uh, There's there's an NPC called Anastasia Gree, who's like a mafia boss, but she hates the modern way of doing things and she hates guns. So there's a special fallout when if you're going up against her and you take uh, or her goons and you take blood stress to a certain level, she breaks your trigger finger.
3: So you can't use use guns anymore. Yeah, until it heals. And it lets us write, games based around injury which is kind of neat
0: and like specific people will have these specific things they can inflict on people mm-hmm. it's really fun watching people suddenly go oh god i needed that finger
3: if, <laughs> if actually uh, one of the scenarios we've got um has specific fallout which is the grannies are upset with you. Yeah. Sorry, the aunties. The aunties, the aunties are upset with you, and, you and, and you're being, being the ostracised. Yeah, they're,
0: they're disappointed in yeah. you, and they start telling people that you're terrible, and it's just it's
3: this like, huge problem. Like, it's really lovely that we've managed to get that sort of rule into a fantasy role-playing yeah. game. That's really mm.
2: mean. Used to be such a nice boy.
3: Yeah, precisely. Uh, it's precisely yeah. and that's the thing, like uh. I'd much rather have a story where like where like it's kind of funny. And because like, 'cause we're all having a bit of a laugh because you imagine like, oh I don't understand. But it's like actually the elders of the community are starting to ostracize you and you have to explain to them and say, by the way, I'm fighting a revolution mm. and you could mm. sell me out. So don't sell me out. I'm go- or I'll have to kill you. Yeah, yeah. And like it and the, and like the great thing I the, the thing I've noticed most about Spire is really lovely it's, it's really funny and quite absurd and then horrific mm. and then quite mm. funny and absurd again it sort of goes up and down it has it continually pushes and pulls which yeah. I quite
2: enjoy A lot of emotional range yeah. sort of thing. A yeah.
1: juxtaposition there. Yeah, very much. Exactly. So. Mm. I love that word. So, I try and squeeze it into every conversation. It's a fine word. Mm. Juxtaposition. What I did want to ask, uh, you have got Strata on Kickstarter now. If people wanted to pick up the Spire as well, can they get that via that Kickstarter or yes. where should they go?
0: No, they can get it via the Kickstarter. Okay. Um, it's, it's either an add-on or there's a pledge level for everything. Yeah. We just yeah. literally get everything we, we've lovely, done. Lovely. Um, it's also available on our website um, and in quite a few shops.
3: Yeah, you can probably go to a gaming shop and it'll be in there, yeah. which is quite nice. That's useful, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's quite exciting. Um, and also, uh, if, if you're in the States and you want to pick up a copy of Spire, um, Indie Press Revolution uh, are better. Mm. Because although we get slightly less money per book, you don't have to pay postage. And mm. we do have to charge quite a lot for postage to get out over to the States. So you might as well use them. Mm. Yeah.
4: Okie yep.
0: dokie.
2: And do you, do you support with like a PDF as well?
3: Yeah, oh, we, yes, do, yes, we do
0: yes. bits and mortar, um, yeah. and yeah. anytime you buy any of our books through what Kickstarter or whatever, you also get a PDF. Cool. Yeah,
3: we don't believe cool. in charging separately.
1: Well, we will stick all the links in the show notes to everywhere you can buy the book. I presume That's you can get something. it on drive through RPG and all that lot as well, can you? Or- yeah, if yeah. you like, yeah. 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 And uh, a link to your podcast again. What was your podcast called again?
2: Party Dice Friends.
3: Party Dice Friends. Yes. It's like this, but without the that, news, man. and we talk more about journals. Yeah, a lot yeah. more.
1: Always,
3: out a lot yeah. more, always, to be said.
1: always a soundbox. Like a lot.
3: <laughs> just, 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 just like just doing, doing lovely big kisses on orcs. That's the other one. Yeah, that's yeah. great.
0: <laughs> this morning's, to be fair, the one that came out this morning was particularly risque. Mm. Yeah, gay.
3: we 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 preview sex toys for the first half of it. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I
2: shall have to give that a listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, made, it's, it's worth it. They made an avatar. Pop- sex yeah, there's toy.
3: Peter. Subscribe, subscribe,
1: subscribe. <laughs> I've already subscribed. To <laughs> too, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, guys, um, thank you so much for coming on. It's been thank really, right? really fun no. having you guys on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's goodbye from me, Russ.
2: Uh, it's goodbye from
1: me, Peter. And if you guys could just say goodbye to our listeners, we'd be so grateful.
4: Bye.
1: <laughs> bye. That bye. leaves bye. a warm Pleasure. and pleasant feeling in my heart. With Brad Howard
2: and Chris Taylor, if you want. Thank Thanks you so, so much for coming on. You. Thank you very bye much. Bye, bye,
1: guys. My ears hurt. That was awful. The worst. I'm going to be punishing those two for this awful performance. I just have to decide whether to put them both in the Iron Maiden or have them eaten alive by sandwich ants.